Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support anytime you don't have to hide how you feel And welcome into Bet the Edge on this Monday on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel alongside Drew Dinsick. I'm Sarah Perlman. And today is part two of our countdown to training camp series. We'll be joined by Eric Eager of Pro Football Focus, as well as our very own Kyle Dvorak discussing which teams to fade before camps begin. And with that, that also means some valuable insight on which teams are being slept on in the market. And of course, as always, we will have our edge of the day and so much more coming up here on Bet the Edge powered by PointsBet. Drew, happy Monday for those of us joining us on the video side. Would recognize that you were in the most gorgeous place I have seen in a long time with the trees in the background. That was your weekend. What's going on? Uh, incredibly beautiful weekend up here in the Eastern Sierras in California. Um, but uh, bittersweet uh, weekend as far as the results of the championships at Wimbledon. Uh, obviously, our girl on Strabor with an, a magical run to the final uh, gets the first set, but then just could not find a winner from there on in the match. And uh, congratulations to Elena Rabakina uh, for winning her first ever slam. And uh, I guess it's next year for us, Ferrans. But uh, that was a, that was a, I, I really thought she had it. It was, um, that was a tough one. <laughs> and, uh, I'm grateful you know. for you, though, for giving out on Jabora a really good number weeks and weeks before the Wimbledon. I did end up hedging, but for those people who had Rabakana, she was 100 to 1 to win Wimbledon when those prices opened. So anyone holding a ticket, congratulations on a big number for Rabakana. But uh, credit to you, on Jabora making a run to the finals rather than, you know, looking at the poor and sad side of it because we became such on fans. <laughs> Listen, that was an incredible incredible run it really was yeah, and I know yeah. you took me over um in the match as well but an incredible run for Ron's and I look forward to betting her now for every grass tournament you want me to bet I will tell you on <laughs> yeah and then the men's side yesterday was about the most predictable tennis match in a long time there it's rare that they're that predictable that you basically have it it play out that way you know Djokovic uh, has kind of set up a very clear uh, strategy that he has made transparent he did it in the semifinals he did it in the finals last year he uses the force first set to really kind of absorb uh, whatever his opponent is bringing in terms of style of play and what you know his his uh, timing his service games uh, and then uh, he you know turns up the pressure and, and sets 
two, three, and four and wins three, one. Um, and, uh, amazingly, it sounds like he's not going to be at the U S open, uh, because of his vaccination status, which is unbelievable to me, but, um, you know, that opens up the door for, uh, for one of these young up and coming players to, uh, to, to win an, uh, U S open, perhaps Medvedev to defend his title. So, uh, going to be fascinating to see how this U S swing works on its way up to the U S open. Yeah, the vaccination discussion may be for another day, but I do like the idea that maybe this opens up room for value down the board, and we'll get into that, obviously, with you. But it was curious just thinking about Novak Djokovic, excuse me, you talked about his tournament to lose, and yes, it was four straight Wimbledon titles for him. He was minus 125 pre-tournament, and I know that the book took a ton of money on him, ends up winning his seventh Wimbledon title. It was insane. Hey, just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands by predicting what will happen in Major League Baseball on the PGA Tour and NASCAR circuit. We also have a special contest on both Tuesday and Thursday called Battle of the Bets, where you can agree or disagree with our experts for a shot to collect some cash. When are you back on Battle of the Bets? Are you on Tuesday or Thursday? I think later this week. I still haven't uh, lost my crown, but because of uh, the travel schedule, I haven't been able to join lately. So I think Wednesday or Thursday probably for me. Okay, I look forward to tailing you on Battle of the Bets. It's going to win (laughs) $2,500. All right, we're going to get into um, another part of our episodic series as we break down the NFL. And as we look forward to the season, we have Eric Eager, Pro Football Focus. And as I said, our very own Kyle Dvorak joining us now. Guys, thanks so much for taking the time. Um, Really what we want to do, and we're going to begin in the AFC, is this breakdown teams were fading, right? Maybe they're a little bit, how would I want to say, the value sucked out of them in the market. They have a lot of hype surrounding them. And that's where I'm going to begin with the Miami Dolphins. And I'll start with you here, Eric. I look at the Miami Dolphins and their win totals eight and a half. The over is juiced and a lot of money over at points bet. 88% of the, the win total handle has come in on the over. They're plus 425 to make the division. The Tyreek Hill signing obviously got a lot of people hyped. Two is another discussion. Eric, take it away. What do you make of the Miami Dolphins? Yeah, when I look at this team, it's sort of this classic example of, you know, the end of the season, you have a, a certain record, right? Nine and eight. And, you know, I think we're all positive about the direction of the franchise 10 and six the year before. But you really have to take a, a closer look into how that nine and eight was constructed because, you know, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, oh, now this this win total, you know, we, we don't even need them to improve for this thing to go over. Um and I think you look at the, the the actual composition of their wins that, you know, they had an opening day win against the New England Patriots where they were outplayed, um, but got some turnover luck. Then they had seven consecutive losses. Uh, and, and then after that, it was, you know, they got a nice uh, you know spot on a Thursday night against the uh, you know Baltimore Ravens, who had just played five quarters against the Vikings that previous Sunday. And then a bunch of quarterbacks who were not particularly good. So fundamentally, I think you have to ask, you know, where were they last year? you know, six, maybe six and a half wins, you know, I, I believe is kind of maybe a decent estimate of where they were fundamentally. And then, okay, are there, are, are they two or three wins improved? Does that, does Tyree kill equal that? And I think most fans think that Tyree kill is worth full wins, but you know, for the most part, I think betters will tell you and, and folks that do things like wins above replacement, he's more like half a win, right? So uh, can he be worth that plus a little bit of a force multiplier on Tua? Uh, can Tua improve? Because this team is going to have to improve even in addition to the acquisitions they made just to you know, have the same record as last year. And I don't think, you know, the, the average better sort of thinks that way. I also think uh, I like the Mike McDaniel hiring, right? I think it's a, a very good hiring in the ether, 
But the style of offense San Francisco played was sort of antithetical to what we know Tua does well. And Tua does it well in a way that is probably evidence of his limitations. But he's great on RPO and play action. And the San Francisco 49ers, they actually ran RPO at like half of the league average rate. And they ran play action at a slightly below average rate last year. So is he bringing a scheme that is good in theory to a team that cannot execute said scheme? I think so. And I'm concerned that he really tips his hand to, well, I know the Shanahan offense works. And we see that by him spending money on three running backs, one of whom he's already coached, and a fullback. Like, I think he's going to execute 49ers to a T, and I don't think Tua can do that as well as the average quarterback even. Oh, it's a, all very fair points, and I, I don't mind kind of throwing a little bit of cold water on the Dolphins at this point, mostly because their schedule is, is somewhat fragile. Um, there's a handful of pretty clear games that they ought to win that'll get them into that six, seven win range. But then everything else, you basically need it all to break your way. Uh, you need them to win a bunch of coin flips to get you to uh, nine, in my opinion. And uh, realistically, uh, you know, the AFC East, you're gonna they're gonna have to come up with wins against the Patriots. Realistically, if uh, they're gonna make the playoffs and hit that win total, so I, I don't mind uh, you know being a little bit um, bearish on the uh, the chances of the Dolphins as we head into the season. Uh, a team that I'm surprised is on the fade list potentially uh, although this is maybe more about the way that the market is pricing this team is the Kansas City Chiefs currently a relatively high total of 10 and a half although that has not been a difficult milestone to reach in the Andy Reid Pat Mahomes era um, and I think you know this is maybe the bullish I mean the bearishness speaks more to how competitive the AFC West is in general um, I'll, I'll start with you Kyle uh, do you see uh, any issues with the Chiefs in terms of just you know, maybe they don't have to go out there and give us their best every single week, all throughout the week. It's more important how they finish the season. And for those reasons, uh, you know, selling on them to start the season and finding a, a buy load in season make more sense. Yeah, I think it's even more so they don't have to, you know, they don't have, they probably don't have to give us, I mean, Andy Reid doesn't give us his best every week. He gives us the best like week 15 on or whatever, but they don't, when you have Patrick Holmes, you don't have to give us your best every season, right? You can say, Right now is not our window. We're going to not spend hundreds of millions of dollars on Tyreek Hill. We're going to send him off and build for the future. And I think if you were looking at this year, it's probably a losing bet. You want Tyreek Hill as opposed to not having Tyreek Hill. You don't want to try and replace him in the aggregate like they do in Moneyball with Miko Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I love Sky more, but this second, you know, a, a day two pick, right? But I think they're planning for a like they signed Patrick Mahomes like a decade long deal. They're planning for a five plus year window where the rest of their division is planning for like the next two years. So I think they're not even like the weakest team in their division, but the gap between them and their division came so much closer this year. And that's perfectly reasonable. I don't think it's an indictment of the team. It's just their views on planning for a five plus year window. Yeah, last year was Andy Reid's first year going under a season win total as a head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs. That last year was 12 and a half. Uh, they missed with the loss of the Bengals in week 17. Uh, Kyle's right. Like when you look at scheme, you know, sort of metrics, Andy Reid sort of gives it his best when they play like Baltimore in week three, Buffalo early in the season, and then it trails off as the season progresses. This year is going to be a little tricky. They they have the hardest schedule in the NFL per our metrics. It's about a point harder per game than the average team on a neutral field. So that's going to be tough for them. However, and, and this is where I, I like your question, Drew, because, you know, they're sort of getting into that Belichickian Patriots sort of yeah. mode of we can go two and two. There was a one year, the pa last year, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. They lost to Jacksonville and Detroit in September, and they end up winning the Super Bowl. Like, I think when you look at the way Kansas City finishes this year, they go at Broncos, at Texans, home to Seahawks home to Broncos, and then at Raiders. That's probably the easiest stretch of football. If they can be 500 going into that, they're probably fine. And to Kyle's point, 
in the NFL, the last MVP to win the Super Bowl, last season-long MVP to win the Super Bowl, is Kurt Warner in 1999. It's never about being the number one power-rated team or the favorite going into January. It's about you know, sort of, you know, just being in there all the time and then letting sort of the, the combinatorics work out. And the fact that, you know, when they won in 19, it was actually Baltimore's year to win the Super Bowl. And the two mm-hmm. years they went in as the favorite, they didn't win the Super Bowl. So I think for them, they sort of understand that and they, they built a roster accordingly. So let me ask you this, Eric, before I move on to the next team, I am curious, right? We look at this Kansas City team, what they did to their defense. Now it's Tyron Matthew gone. We'll see. And, and we talk about, you know, kind of maybe not their year. Wide receivers gone, Tyreek Hill out. We'll see what MBS does. I'm curious, how would you attack this team as the season progresses? Is there a way or time that you look at Kansas City and you're like, okay, I'm done fading them. Maybe I'll get involved in the futures market. Yeah, I wouldn't bet on them early in the season. I mean, they're already laying a full field goal in Arizona against a team that won 11 win, won 11 games last year. Then they have to lay a full field goal at home to a Chargers team that I think we're all high on. They have Buffalo. They have Tampa early. I would probably – I wouldn't necessarily bet against them, but I, I would lay off of them. But you saw last season they were the worst defense in the NFL the first six or seven weeks of the year. And then during the middle of the season they held – I mean, Dallas led the league in scoring, and they let, held Dallas to nine points – uh, you know, they they had a bunch of games where their defense was really a catalyst for them. Uh, and even in the AFC title game, I thought their defense played better than their offense, especially in the second half of that game. So I think, like, as the season progresses, when you have, you know, four rookies in the defensive backfield, the guy that you're trusting to be your premier pass rusher as a rookie as well, and George Karloftis, I think it's going to be slow to go. But I think halfway through the season, if history – is that says anything Steve Spagnuolo gets that team to play well on the defensive side of the ball in the second half of the year so things like unders things like you know games where they win 24-3 you know to Kyle's point that you know Andy Reid doesn't pull out everything but they kind of win a game handily like you know them being favored and under was a pretty solid play in the second half of last year oh I remember those games well and that's uh I think they have kind of established a little bit of a blueprint we can read into in that regard and um, I think realistically someone else in the AFC West will probably race out to a lead in that division. We don't really know who it's going to be. It may be the chargers, you know, could be the Raiders for all we can tell you. Um, but somebody could potentially put together winning football in September and October and, and have the, uh, you know, a comfortable lead in the AFC West, at which point buying in on the chiefs mm-hmm. to win the West at a price, like say three to one or four to one makes tons of sense to me. Uh, and then realistically, um, you know, if it looks like, uh, they have to go on the road in the playoffs. They're still getting so much respect in the market game by game on the road. You're probably going to be looking at them at like pick them or under a field goal in every single one of their playoff games. So, you know, getting involved at a futures price, if you can find anything to win the AFC in the, you know, eight to one, 10 to one range, as we get into the kind of the meat towards the tail of the season, I think that that would probably be your, your buy point. But, uh, you know, we're speculating a lot here and, uh, you know, there's a lot of football to be played. Yeah, and you talked about that last year. Same thing with the Chiefs, and it was a profitable way to get involved. Here's a team that I'm personally, and I'm going to talk about them for Edge of the Day. It's the Tennessee Titans that I want your opinion on. Kyle, I look at the Tennessee Titans, and I see Ryan Tannehill who threw more interceptions last year than he did with his first two seasons combined uh, with Tennessee. Derrick Henry, a phenomenal player. Can he stay healthy? There's some question marks around this team, and uh, they're the second favorite to win their division. Their win total, I look at them, it seems high to me. Is this an overvalued team in the market? Will you fade the Tennessee Titans or how will you attack them in the betting market as we get ready for the season? Yeah, I think we might all agree on this. If it sounds like you're on the under, I would be on the under. I don't, 
I mean, this team is at its best when it can jam play action, have Ryan Tannehill just bombing stuff to AJ Brown, who's not with the team anymore. And they're trying to replace him with Robert Woods and Traylon Burks, bless his heart, can't stay on the field in the middle of summer. So I think the best years of this team, and we've seen it in Tannehill's numbers, he joined the team and was maybe the most efficient quarterback in the league. And it comes down the next year, but still good. Then last year comes down again. I think this team's best weeks, best seasons are, are probably behind them in the way they're formed right now. Yeah, I think the, the hard part for an analytics guy like me is like what the value of Rabel adds, because I think when you look at some of the decisions <laughs> he makes, you know, they punted the ball game away against the, the Ravens two years ago mm-hmm. in the playoffs. You know, last season, Henry had like a plate in his foot and they run him 20 times in that game. You know, and I think it was hidden in the fact that Tannehill threw interceptions and Burrow was sacked nine times. But like they his usage was poor, you know, in big games. But for the most part, like that team played the most players in NFL history last year. And they ended up getting a one seed in an AFC that is pretty tough, right? They beat the heck out of the Chiefs. They beat the Bills. Like this team like has, there are intangible pieces that you want to buy into, but there just aren't enough tangible pieces anymore. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, you have Landry, you have Simmons, you have Dupree are okay. Um, Bayard's a really good safety, but at the corner spot, there's a ton of question marks. Linebacker, you know, Zach Cunningham is terrible for this division because he just bites on play action worse than anybody else. <laughs> and then on the offensive line, they just don't have, in my opinion, the horses to support Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry used to be a running back, in my opinion, that overcame everything. And I think now he's regressed. He's still elite, but he's regressed to the point where he needs help. And I don't think that the Titans are going to be able to give him that kind of help, either from like you know run blocking, but also the threat of the pass, which I think is completely you know gone with Corey Davis and AJ Brown leaving over the last few years. Okay, so give me a market price for this then. Um, the Titans go into this season with the mindset of in order to do well and to win games like we did last year, last couple of years, we need to get Derrick Henry the ball 25 times a game. Is that like, do you expect that that is the way that they start the season? And how long can they stick with that before, uh, you know, all of a sudden they find that they're not winning games? I mean, I think that that's their mindset for sure. I mean, that's why you get rid of A.J. Brown. I mean, you know, it, it's it's the classic. They paid Tannehill in many ways because he's a great quarterback for this situation, right? He doesn't try to do too much. He's really good with his legs. He's actually pretty good throwing the ball to the most efficient parts of the field where they are the middle, which are opened up by Henry. But, I mean, we've seen this before. This is a theorem about running backs. Like, after they get a lot of carries, after they get hurt, they're just not the same guy. And, like, you know, and – so even if I think they're going to be defiant in this space, I think that's the, ever more the reason to sort of back what Sarah said at the beginning, which is this is just an under team, even though you're, the, the total is two and a half wins underneath what they were last year. I still think it's a pretty solid play. Yeah, I mean, you know how you can tell this team is going to go out and try and establish the run 25, you know, 25 plus times a game, maybe even the first half. Austin Hooper, a standout in minicamp. When Austin Hooper is your standout pass catcher in minicamp, <laughs> you were coming out and Derrick Henry is getting on first, second, third, maybe fourth down. Yeah, well, I think you guys know where I'm going for my edge of the day. I guess we all made it kind of obvious there. But on the flip side, um, obviously with teams that were fading, there has to be some teams that were high on in the marketplace. And let's stay in the AFC. Kyle, teams that you like, who are they? I like the Jags. And call me a, a glutton for punishment because I get that they're uh, you know the stinkiest franchise in the past five or so years. But I think this will reveal truly how awful Urban Meyer was. Because Trevor Lawrence came in as, as probably the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. And he Urban Meyer ruined it. Maybe there's a chance. Obviously, there's a, a strong chance that Trevor Lawrence wasn't the guy he was billed to be. But I think given his incredible college resume and given how facially terrible Urban Meyer was, going from Urban Meyer, who maybe like, honest to God, might have been the worst coach I've seen in my lifetime 
to Doug Peterson, I think that could really unlock this team. And they play in like easily the weakest uh, division in the NFL, I think. Yeah, I like it. Kyle, Kyle makes a big – the, the other thing is, is this team is over the salary cap by a significant amount next year. I mean, they're literally trying to win this particular season, which, you know, as a as a better in, in the preseason, you have to take – you know, like take – we'll talk about the Bears probably. But, like, you actually have to ask yourself, is this team trying? This team is trying. Whether they do anything with that is, is, is an important second question. Um, for me in the AFC, I, I, I'm staying in the same division. I do like the Colts at price even. I, you know, I think Matt Ryan's going to be wonderful. Frank Reich is great. Um, you know, the offensive line's good. You know, Michael Pittman was terrific last year. Jonathan Taylor, you know, he did increase his carries by 100 last year. But I think that, you know, he'll at least have it for one more year. And then the defense... Uh, when you look at the metrics, that was the most, one of the most disciplined and solid defenses in the NFL last year. And for a team that where your bet is, please just don't screw it up. I think that they have all the ingredients. <laughs> yeah, I think they have a good, uh, they made a good trade there. Minus 110 to win the AFC South. Their win total is also nine and a half. And I also like the Indianapolis Colts and probably why we're all kind of off Tennessee in the division as well. We're going to break down the NFC, but first a reminder that weekends are better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats. Catch the Royals take on the Blue Jays in Toronto Sunday, July 17th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock. To learn more, go to peacocktv.com slash MLB. And if you want a chance to win $25,000 on the game, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Sunday's free Grand Slam Pick'em Contest. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, If I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free, confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. What do you want from your sports book? Better odds, fast and easy live betting. Sounds like you don't want to just bet. You want to live your bet life. When you bet with PointsBet, the official sports book partner of NBC Sports, you get better odds and bigger payouts all in a fast and reliable sports book. Download the app now and sign up with code NBC2000 to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Additional terms and conditions apply. Must be present in New Jersey, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, Colorado, Michigan, Virginia, West Virginia, New York, Pennsylvania, 
Pennsylvania. Void where prohibited must be 21 plus. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help in Illinois, New Jersey, West Virginia, or Pennsylvania, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services or visit www.1800gambler.net. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan, 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia, 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York, www.pointsbet.com slash terms dash and dash conditions. So we broke down teams we're fading in the AFC. We now head to the NFC and a team that I look at their win total sitting at five and a half. I'm not quite sure what to do with to Seattle Seahawks. And the over is juiced to minus 130. They're 60 to one to win the conference if you want to go all that high. 14 to one to win their division. No Russell Wilson. This will be an interesting time to break down this team because you look at Geno Smith and Drew Locke. And I could probably make the argument that Geno Smith will, will get the start for the Seattle Seahawks. Really a new era for this football team. Kyle, what do you do with the Seattle Seahawks? Is it bet the futures market game by game? What stands out to you? I feel like it, it may take two to three weeks for the market to realize how truly dreadful this team is. Cause you know, we have this, uh, this strong, strong prior of them that it's always hard to separate. What was of the Patriots dynasty? What was Belichick versus what was Brady? We'll get this for every great team. And you look at the individual game level decisions Pete Carroll makes, and they're not indicative of a team that should have won a Super Bowl and been one of the winningest teams for a decade. To me, when you look at his in-game decisions, it looks like someone who held Russell Wilson back. And I think we'll see that when he finally is forced to cope with not just bad quarterback play, but possibly some of the worst quarterback play in the league. So even though this is one of the lowest over-unders we have, to me, this is it's probably the worst team in the NFL. And I don't think the coaching will be a coaching that can elevate that because they're just going to try and run on first and second down with an offensive line that could be the worst in the league. You know, they're starting both rookie tackles and the interior of their line is quite poorly graded as a pro football focus. So I think they're both a mismatch in terms of talent for what they're trying to do and just untalented in general. Yeah, no team in the NFL last year failed to get one or more receivers open on a play more than Seattle. And weirdly, Wilson was still able to find uncontested targets at a better than league average rate. So, like, you know, it's kind of one of those where I, I agree with Kyle. Like, we have, we have, we're football analytics is finding ways of trying to understand how bad the Seahawks were at putting their players in position to succeed over the last like three, four years. That was one that, you know, I came, you know, I looked at last week. It's going to be dreadful. I, I also there's a there's a, a nice market. Um, I don't know if it's on points bet yet, but I, I found it in a different book. A number of division wins for the Seahawks at two um, minus one fifteen to the under is another good one. This team is not competing with LA. This team is not competing with San Fran. I don't I don't care what the the history has been, and this team isn't isn't even competing with Arizona. Um, this is just this is a bad team, and. You know, we've doubted Carroll before. I remember being low on them in 2011 when Tavares Jackson was the quarterback and they still won seven games. So I could be wrong here, but I, I just think Carroll has lost his fastball long ago and we're all going to see it here. Yeah, I don't know what the plan is, but I know it's not going to work. Um, and I can tell you my fare for them is four wins. Uh, and realistically, as you looked at their schedule, they have four winnable home games and then where the rest of them are coming from. Uh, that's anyone's guess. Um Speaking, staying in division and talking about another team where 
you're handing the keys to the quarterback and telling him, just don't screw this up. You have a really talented roster with the San Francisco 49ers, but an enormous question mark in terms of what you're going to get in terms of quality of play at the quarterback level. Uh, Eric, I'll start with you because this is a pretty important question. Um, Are you, you know, what degree of quality can you expect out of the quarterback in San Francisco? And, you know, does the, the likelihood that you get kind of, you know, young quarterback quality play uh, from Trey Lance suggests that the Niners are going to have trouble making a 10 and a half win total. Yeah. I, one of the reasons I was looking at this was the Mike McDonald thing with, with uh, the dolphins and what they were going to try to do. You know, Kyle Shanahan gives you so much as a quarterback. I talked about like, you know, the Niners were one of those teams. They led the NFL last year in percentage of plays where at least one wide receiver got open. Yet Jimmy Garoppolo is bottom third in the league and throwing to contested receivers. So like, he's like the Ron Burgundy of quarterbacks. He was just throwing what was called. And, you know, and, and that like was a lot of success. I mean, Jimmy G, you know, his PFF grade wasn't great on 10 to 19 yard throws, but his NFL pass rating was 107.4. Like he, they, they scheme up open stuff for him. So for Lance, I think the bar is extremely low. And, you know, the only thing that makes me worry, you know, and we're in a marketplace here is the fact that Kyle Shanahan didn't want him out there. Like that, that to me yeah. is the only piece of information that would make me less bullish on the Niners with Lance than with Garoppolo is, is Shanahan's decision making. But we've seen in the past, like Shanahan, you know, drafted Joe Williams over Raheem Mo- you know, he drafted uh, Trey Sermon over Elijah Mitchell. Like the guy's personnel decisions aren't the best in the world. So, I would say just given all of the stuff that Lance can do, I'm bullish on them from an offensive standpoint. When you look at the data, like they mm. just have defenses standing still. And, and I think if you have a quarterback that can move, a quarterback that has a lively arm, I think it's going to be a positive thing. It's, and additionally, while the NFC West is tough, the NFC as a whole is kind of weak. So if anything, I'm on over here, but I think 10 and a half is pretty fair. Yeah, I like that. And I couldn't be, uh, you know, I think it's a fair line. I probably wouldn't take either side. But if I, I was forced to take, I would take over because I want to be betting on Trey Lance. Like you, you look at his, like his college tape, what he was able to do in the few spots. He, he didn't really play much snaps, but in the two essentially starts he got, uh, he's exciting. And I just want to be betting on him. And I think this may be even a team that if you think their distribution is wider, right? Because Trey Lance could come out and be an FCS quarterback who wasn't able to get on the field much in his first year. And that's not a good sign. Or he could be a product of the bad Kyle Shanahan, uh, like player personnel decision making, which has been like a consistent through line to the many good things Shanahan does. There's not been one of them. Like, you know, benching Brandon Ayuk for like four or five straight weeks in the beginning of the season when he's clearly the second best receiver on your team. Uh, I'm not bothered by that at all. And I'm still not tilting on like jamming in my fantasy lines. It's fine. Uh, so th- I think the distribution on this team is what I'm saying is quite wide. And if you want to bet them, maybe you're looking at the more longer features, not just over 10 and a half, something like that. Right. Yeah, they're 10 and a half wins. I have not touched and I actually haven't bet anything regarding the San Francisco 49ers. Still kind of waiting to see what shakes out here with the quarterback situation. Well, real quick, uh, real quick follow up question then for Eric. So if the Niners make their 11 wins, Trey Lance finishes where in EPA per play among starters? Oh, EPA per play. It's probably especially if you count run like scrambles. Have to top count. three. Okay. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is finishing. Wow. He was consistently like the best EPFLA quarterback, and the yeah. Jimmy haters just couldn't handle it. And it's it's like you know talking about separating these quarterbacks with their coaches. He was always he's always he still is the most difficult one you to separate. Put, if you put great. running game in there, and if you put designed running game in there, quarterback runs are like the most efficient play in football. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, they're a top three team in EPA per play. And and to your point, Drew, because of all the stuff that's correlated with MVP, 
if they win 11 games, <laughs> he's much he's a that may be the price to bet the 49ers, which would be Lance MVP more than anything. We saw it, you know, Patrick Mahomes had just one start for the Kansas City Chiefs before he came on the scene and won MVP in his second year. Okay, so for the math nerds at home who love this show, a wide distribution with uh, you know, extremes that you know have you know p- potential for huge payouts. That's where you want to attack a team like the Niners, an MVP market for Lance, where if he does give you what Mahomes gave you in year two and, you know, the Niners uh, take on an otherwise very lukewarm NFC in Niners are their one seed. He is absolutely going to be talked about for MVP. You can pretty much, you know, you can you can write that in pen. Um, so, yeah, no, that that is a fun way to. Uh, uh, to try to approach how you build out your futures book. If you have a narrow band like the Colts, bet them to win the division. If you have a wide band like the Niners, find a find a huge payday to to, to make some money. Yeah, I got to find the number on Trey Lance to an MVP now out of curiosity because I do not have that um, available right now. But I'm sure it's uh, I'm sure it's pretty big over at points bet. Hey, I look at the NFC, Kyle, and I asked you teams that kind of are undervalued in the AFC. Um, so now we look at the NFC. What stands out? A few teams that you think being slept on here. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me first. I think uh, I think Eric might have taken this one if I hadn't. Uh, I, I will be restoring the roar here, as Eric would call it. The Detroit Lions, <laughs> they have been, to be fair, they have been already bet up to better than when they started. But you look, and their, their total is almost the exact same. The juice is slightly different. But it's about the same as, uh, as Chicago. And I think they're a far superior team to Chicago. Chicago looks like they saw a few games of Justin Fields and were like, let's blow it up again. Like, sure, maybe he goes out and plays really well and you stick with him. But they already look like they're willing to move on to the next team, whereas like the the Lions are building for being a year away. They're very close. They have maybe the best offensive line between having a, this this incredible tackle duel of Taylor Taylor Decker and Penny Sewell. Great interior line, and they've done nothing but build up the receiving core and even the running back room around. Admittedly, Jared Goff. That's the one drawback on the offense. At least the defense is not particularly good, but that's so that's why it's six and a half, right? So I think their offense has the potential to at least compete with any of the mid-tier offenses in the NFL and six and a half wins doesn't look like that reflects that. Yeah. I think what I said previously about the Jacksonville Jaguars, I can say about the the lions is like you, you, and with the bears, for example, like it's not clear whether they're trying, right? So if you're going to bet they're over because of an easy schedule or whatever, you're going to get, you might get skunked there because they might just not be trying this Detroit lions team last year. Wasn't trying in the sense of who they put on the field, but once they were between the lines, they scored the most points in the NFL last year when they're, when their win probability was 1% or less. So this team tries hard for Dan Campbell. Um, they have tons of first-round picks on offense. Jared Goff, you know, was fairly good last year after you strip away supporting issues. And then on defense, you want to buy variance, right? And, and the variance is there in the in the form of Jeff Okuda and Aiden Hutchins and two premium position players who are top five picks who, you know, in the case of Okuda is coming back from injury but is undervalued there. Um, but this is this is the prototype for every team I'm going to like in the NFC, right? Uh, the Detroit Lions have, I believe, the second easiest schedule after you look at it. You know, the Washington Commanders at seven and a half, they have the fourth easiest schedule. The Giants, I don't know if I'm willing to make take that big of a leap of faith, but they have the easiest schedule in the NFL over a point easier on average than the average team on a neutral field. If you look at the NFC, I mean, basically one of these bad teams has to beat out teams that are notorious chokers like the Minnesota Vikings, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints, so on and so forth. And I just think that the path is relatively simple there. This isn't the AFC. There's going to be a team in the NFC playoffs who we're all surprised about. And Detroit, Washington, New York Giants, those are all teams that I, I think have at least a puncher's chance. You can look I at the yeah. for Coach of the Year. I know Drew's talked about that and got me and Aiden Hutchinson even. There's so many different ways to attack 
this team and you guys are all kind of on the same page. And I know that I've been sold on the Detroit Lions because Drew talked about them weeks ago on our show. Seems like we're on agreement there, Drew. Yeah, I know. I mean, really, the only thing we have to worry about now is uh, sort of the sharp consensus becoming the, you know, getting mushed by all, yeah. you know, by this, all this happened. This has happened in the past the with like the Cardinals, the the Browns. We're like, just keep betting them up. There's no price. Yeah. I just thought the only question was whether they were going to wear Honolulu blue or road white for the four or five games <laughs> in January. I love it. No, the, the schedule makers set them up to have um, kind of the pre, the premier uh thanksgiving game this year we get the we get the bills lions the lions are going to be coming off a win against the packers because the schedule makers absolutely nuked the packers in the middle of that schedule they put they are putting them right through the the absolute worst of it mm-hmm. um and then uh you know you push right into uh you know a big win against the packers into thanksgiving game against the bills uh you know, there'll be the there'll be a lot of buzz detroit about game. the Lions this year that's the only detroit game that isn't a sunday one o'clock eastern game every wow. other game is sunday yeah, at 12 30. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in two months from now, we will be talking about the regular season and a ton of games then. But in the meantime, as we get ready for the NFL season, uh, Kyle, I'll start with you here again. What what are you working on? What should we look out for? Yeah, we've got our team by team previews coming out. Uh, Not only me, but the entire uh, fantasy team. But we also, at the end of everyone, have our picks on the the win total. So if you're here for the betting stuff, we've got that there too. And the same with the draft guide. We've got fantasy content there, but I even have like player props written up in our draft guide. So check that out on the site. Okay, amazing. Eric over at Pro Football Focus. Well, I do I do the PFF forecast uh, twice yep. a week, Wednesdays and Sundays. But this week we are uh, unveiling our college football preview, which has Ooh. simulated win totals for every all 131 teams now that James Madison is in the FBS. Uh, so, so look out for that. I know uh, some of those markets have been available for a while, but uh, they're softer than the NFL markets, which is fun. Yeah, absolutely. Eric's on Twitter, by the way, at PFF underscore Eric. And he mentioned the PFF forecast podcast with him and George Uhuri. That's an amazing listen. And Kyle on Twitter at Kyle tweets here. Awesome content with NBC Sports Edge. Also a big part of a good football show. And you could find that wherever you listen to your podcast. Both Eric and Kyle, thank you so much. Have an amazing rest of your day. Have a good one. A lot of NFL talk gets me excited, and that's where I'll oh, be yeah. going with my edge of the day, as I said, on the Tennessee Titans. But I will begin with you. It is your pick of the day, edge of the day, Drew. What is on your card? Yeah, so sometimes you suffer a loss like on Shabor in the final yeah. of Wimbledon, and you want to quit betting tennis, but not me. We get right back on the horse. We're going no right way. to Newport. Uh, the fifth slam is what we call it, the Newport <laughs> Hall of Fame tennis. Uh, tennis. It's, it's on grass. This is the last grass mat, uh, grass tournament of the season. Um, Newport, Rhode Island, if you haven't been there, absolutely beautiful. Um, and, uh, yeah, a lot of uh, fun-spirited American players, and the Americans honestly played pretty well on grass throughout this, uh, this little swing here, including our own Stevie Johnson, uh, huge Stevie Johnson guy. He's made me a lot of money over the, over the years, consistently underpriced by the market. And he is taking on Stefan Kozlov, who is just in absolute shambles right now in terms of form. Uh, Kozlov lost two matches in a row at Wimbledon. And you would say, how is that possible? You can't lose two in a row at the same tournament. Well, he lost in qualifying, but got the lucky loser spot and then lost in the round one. Uh, And then if you go back one tournament prior, he played Stevie Johnson in qualifying for London and Stevie Johnson beat him 6-0-6-0. So uh, in general, Kozlov is having an absolute uh, complete loss of form going up against Stevie Johnson, who made round three of Wimbledon uh, and uh, in general plays well on grass. And oh, by the way, former champion. 
at uh, the Hall of Fame tennis tournament in Newport. So um, I think uh, realistic to expect Stevie Johnson to cruise to a victory today. I have laid the three and a half games with him. You can still get that at plus 100, which seems mm-hmm. like a very, very, very favorable price to me. Are you getting involved in the under for games as well or no? I like the under, but the price isn't quite as good. Uh, yeah, 22 and a half is too high, but uh, I, I think Stevie Johnson comes through okay. cleanly. Six, four, six, three, something like that. All right. Love it. Stevie Johnson minus three and a half in the games. Okay. I will go to the NFL for my edge of the day. We talked about the Tennessee Titans, and this is probably my last and final win total that I'll be betting before the season. And I'm taking the Titans under nine and a half. I was excited to hear Kyle, Eric, and it seems like you as well on the same page as me. Um, no AJ Brown. That's going to be missed in the, the playing attack and the passing attack rather big time. Derek Henry, the discussion with him, how much can you utilize him? We know he only played last uh, eight games last season due to injury. And also I think nine and a half is one or maybe more just uh, too many wins. Um, You look at their four divisional games against the Texans and Jaguars. You can give them all wins. But let's look at weeks nine through 13. This is what stood out to me. This is tough. How do they get to double-digit wins? Because they're going to take off, take on the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City, the Broncos. They then go to Green Bay to take on the Packers. Cincinnati at home, the Eagles and Philly. If they win three or less of those games, which I pick in a loaded conference, there's no shot they're getting to nine and a half. So with Tannehill struggling, more picks last year I mentioned than in the previous combined two years with the Tennessee Titans could be uh, Malik Willis show. And that gives me a little bit of, of worry. So I'll take the under nine and a half for the Tennessee Titans in the win total market. I love it. I agree with you on this one. I think uh, there's a lot of teams that are going to be looking forward to getting uh, exacting some revenge on the Titans uh, for the way that they played last year. Um, and in general, their schedule looks absolutely brutal. Tough. A lot of good, a lot of good teams. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, no, you can't count on easy wins against the Jaguars anymore. You, mm-hmm. You're definitely going to have a, your hands and full with the Colts. And that's still me probably splitting the Colts, <laughs> one and one with the Colts and seeing how that plays out. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just not a variable guy. I'm not a, I'm not a Derrick Henry guy. I think, uh, you know, Tannehill coming back to earth in that uh, playoff game spells trouble for them for the uh, medium and, 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 you know, short-term future. Some lopsided action in terms of the bet count and handle rather not lopsided. It's all on the under 62% of the bet count, heavy action, 93% of the handle coming in on under nine and a half wins. So we'll see if this even gets bet down to nine over at points that it is juiced to the under for Tennessee. That's all we have here today on Bet the Edge. And we look forward to next week again, finishing the last and final week before training camps begin. Uh, training camp begin. So for now, for Drew Dinsick, I am Sarah Perlman. Thank you for being here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. As always, we wish you nothing but the best of luck with all your bets and have an amazing rest of your day. We'll talk to you guys soon. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And it's your last chance to get more fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this limited-time bundle ends June 30th. Save now at cedarpoint.com. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. 
the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash.